listeners. Thanks for tuning in. This episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic started to affect the U.S. like it is now. We like to stay on track and stick with our schedule to ensure our content will stream as planned. That said, we don't want to sound insensitive to anything that has taken place or what is currently affecting the world, particularly in the United States. So stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Severe, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.severe, and you can also find him on YouTube. Before we get started, we just wanted to take some time out to thank our newest patrons via Patreon. Your support means so much to us. It's such a huge help. So we just wanted to give a great big thank you. Yes. So thank you. And today we are happy to be joined by fellow MSer and content creator Kiki Charles. However, before we get started and let you all listen to the episode, we wanted to just inform you that the sound quality isn't as clear as we expected it to be. Uh, We have definitely touched on this particular topic and conversation in previous Myelin and Melanin YouTube videos, uh, and we felt that it was important for you all to listen to. Uh, It's an important topic and a good conversation. So enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We are joined today by at Kiki Charles on Instagram, Keisha. Keisha had posted a video um, not too long ago on Instagram about this whole idea. It's very, I think, triggering for a lot of people with MS on disability, but the whole kind of question about what do you do and what that means when you're on disability and have MS. So hi, Kiki, Keisha. Hi, hi, <laughs> yeah, hi, hi, babies. How are you guys? Hi. We're, we're good. <laughs> um, I'm so thankful for inviting me to speak with you guys. Oh, you are so oh, yeah. welcome. Thank you for being on. So, um, Keisha, could you tell us a little bit, maybe our listeners, about the video that we're referring to? So, it was, I think it was last, Friday before last. I can't remember which Friday. But um, I, my sister and I went to go see a taping of The View. And while we were waiting, we met these ladies from North Carolina, very sweet ladies. And mm-hmm. This conversation, my sister, my sister is has a home business and she she's a baker, and so she has free time. And so we, she just asked us because we were trying to schedule if we could go to Good Morning America or whatever we could do during the daytime, because um, she's coming back on her downtime. 
question this woman goes how do you guys have such free time how do you guys are able to schedule this so my sister says um she says that oh i have my own business and i bake and then i go i'm on disability and they kind of gave me a look and these were southern women and mm-hmm. they gave me a, a look like mm-hmm. you don't need to like it was just basically like a kind of a look like you don't, don't look, look sick like right yeah yeah yeah, and right. You look, and you don't look like someone who needs disability. Right, right. Yeah, so I began to explain my story to them. And I told them that the judge, if you read my case profile, the judge says that the, state, the profile says that I couldn't stand for, I can't even sit for 10, 10 minutes. And she, when the youngest one goes, because, you know, she's younger and I'm an, a millennial. She's kind of a little, like, she's been sitting here for 10, longer than 10 minutes. Right, and it was just like wow, you know. It just kind of I was taken aback by that statement. So I just went into further detail, and my sister was like explaining how it goes with MS because a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't understand. For today, I can sit for ten minutes. Tomorrow, I may not be able to sit for ten minutes. You know. Right. Right. So I came home as the day progressed. I got I kept on thinking about it and going in my head, and I came home, and I just didn't know how to get rid of this particular day I didn't know how to get rid of that feeling of inadequacy for not mm-hmm. working you know mm-hmm. so I just had to ask the people out in the Instagram world who are uh-huh. chronically ill how do they get right. rid of it how do they get rid of that feeling you know because my husband never says anything about it he's, he's uh-huh. very gracious and he's you know and I do with my disability I do participate in paying bills and paying rent and uh-huh. all those different things right and I help, I help out, but in that moment, it was more of her look and not the questions that mm. made me feel so inadequate. Right. And made me feel like I wasn't contributing to society the way I should. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Right. Can I so ask? That's how that video came about. Okay. That mm-hmm. is such a, like, triggering thought. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I could completely understand your video and I could relate to that. Can I ask really yes. quickly before we, before I ju- just like dive in, mm-hmm. what year were you diagnosed? 2012. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. Um, what was your first presenting symptom? Did you have optic neuritis? Okay. Or? okay. Uh-huh. So I have a long story. Mm-hmm. I presented in 1986. My first symptom was presented in 1986. Wow. And it was, I had continuous migraines and mm-hmm. I was losing my vision. Oh, okay. With the migraines. So my mom took me to a neurologist in New York in 1986 and he told my mom I was um psychosomatic wow and well yeah yeah so then I presented again in 1997 at 26 going on 27 and the doctor thought I had MS but he only gave me a blood test and he said the blood test showed I didn't have it. So really? I did not know. So when they told my, so fast forward to 2011, I got another migraine. I got a complicated migraine. And this mm-hmm. migraine lasted a long time. And then when they finally got this migraine to break, I then went into getting symptoms of trigeminal neuralgia. Mm-hmm. So they were like, no, we have to give you an MRI. And when they gave me the MRI, I was diagnosed with um, MS. Wow. Yeah. 
that is really interesting that the doctor gave you a blood test and said, no, it's not MS. Like, no, that's not how it works. Well, and then how they were. Yeah. Like they seem to be dismissive. So that kind of thing that we, you and I have been talking about too, Dana, you know what I mean? About the care that we get as women of color or, you know, black women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Right. But uh, of course, because you don't know that, like you're coming in with these symptoms and okay, the doctor gives you a blood test, like, oh no, it's not a mess. Yeah. You aren't going to necessarily know that it's beyond just having a blood test right. to di- diagnose MS. Wow. That, yeah, that's a whole other issue. That's really irritating. That, that, that being a black woman and getting a proper medical diagnosis yes. is a whole topic for like yes. months and months and years and years just to unpack it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I had to fight. Like Part of my story is that I had to actually fight for a diagnosis because before 2011, I went in and they thought I had congestive heart failure. So I was telling cardiologists things that were, if I had told a neurologist this, they would have then said, oh, something's wrong. Let's test you. Right. But the heart doctor was like, please get off of Google. Because I actually thought that I was going into early onset, early onset Alzheimer's because it was I, my memory was just going. I have I used to have this brilliant uh, memory. I couldn't remember mm-hmm. words, just things, just dizziness, all these things I would explain right. to them. And they were looking at it from the perspective of, we think this woman has congestive heart failure. And those are not symptoms wow. of congestive heart failure. So they were just right. missing everything. Oh my God. So that's why, even then, from 2009 to 2011, it took a while before they said, when I got that um, migraine, that's when they finally set, uh, sent me to neuro- the neurology department. Wow. Wow. You know, so, and it was my, my doctor, my primary care. He read my whole file and he was just like, you fought hard for a diagnosis. So so now I'm a fighter. And he's like, please don't fight with me today. It's not, you know, he's just like, you don't have to fight all the time. You know, you have someone in your corner right now, you know, but it's hard when you've gone through the, the, that kind of stuff that I went through to get a diagnosis. People don't understand. And it was that doctor who said, oh, I thought you had MS. Well, you have fibromyalgia, and fibromyalgia hasn't become a legitimate disease until recently. So right. they used to think I was again psychosomatic, and it's just insane. So, right. so for me, I don't think the numbers are rising. Like, I don't think there's a, this tremendous increase of Black women get or women of color getting. Um, mm-hmm. Multiple sclerosis. I believe that they're finally diagnosing the women properly. Mm-hmm. You know that, yeah, I, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, God, that that just really makes me mad. The whole blood test thing, <laughs> like you don't have a mess because of the blood. What? No. Yeah. Wow. You sound like my. I am my, so sorry. Yeah, my neurologist was livid when I told him. Yes. When I had to tell my whole story wow. to him, he was just absolutely livid about the blood test. Oh, right. Oh, goodness. So, okay. Well, yeah. now, what were you going to say, Don? So, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm sorry to digress here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So going back to the video, it really like touched me because I think when you have an MS diagnosis and you 
you reach the point of going on disability, you you do feel like all of those emotions that you brought up in the video. And I responded to you and I was saying, yeah, I can completely relate to what you're saying. And through, you know, my meditations and just like being still and quiet and listening to my inner voice and like really grappling with the emotional part or the emotional aspect, I should say, of, of like giving up a job that you, you had for, for so long and like, what society tells you to do, like go to school, get a job, you know, work, work hard, get, you know, get on, uh, get, get on your 401k, have that mm-hmm. set. Um, and so to like completely have the opposite happen, which is like accepting disability or, you know, having this disability mm-hmm. check, it does make you feel like, who am I? Or what am I contributing to mm-hmm. this society? Who, you know, what, mm-hmm. what, what stake do I have right now? Like, how am I going to be with my family? Like all of those thoughts were looming. And, and I was like, wow, this, this means I can't work. But then as I thought about it and I went back and read and I was like, well, you know what? No, I can work. I just can't work in the, under the, the norm of what society tells you. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel mm-hmm. like we do work like our podcast, Dana and I, this, this podcast is work. Mm-hmm. You're, you are blogging or vlogging. That's work. So yeah. So whatever those ladies were thinking, I don't know. I, I always tend to assume that people have in the back of their mind, like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. Yes. Um, it digressing too a little bit. You had, um, first of all the video it's just very packed and loaded with a lot um and you know don you had just said like you know in the back of your mind you're always like wondering like when you tell your story of somebody's kind of like side-eyeing you like whatever i don't believe you um but kiki you had mentioned in the video um that you weren't really framing the discussion as you know, from the perspective of a black woman with MS, um, you were just, you know, sharing your story, Mm. your experience. But I totally think that being black and on disability means something. And I say that in the sense that there are so many stereotypes that people have about black people being lazy and not wanting to work and all that. And I know for me personally, when I you know, if I say I'm on disability and this, that, and the other, like in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, like, are they thinking those things? Is this just some lazy black girl who doesn't want to work? So I think that that, those are things that play, that could potentially play in people's minds. I don't know. I mean, that's just the way that I think, but I don't know. I understand what you're saying. Um, Mm -hmm. I did when she looked at me and she was Southern. Mm and she was European, I was like, oh, here we go. In my brain, I was like, oh, here we go. She's thinking I'm building Mm -hmm. the system because of what I look like. Um, I'm from Brooklyn. And um, Mm -hmm. when you're from Brooklyn, when I went to do my court uh, to go before the judge, Mm -hmm. so this is why I don't, I I don't kind of take that kind of stereotype on because Uh when when I went in, it was mostly Europeans before the Dutch. Uh-huh. So I know what truly is. 
So right. I don't, it, it was like maybe three or four people of color versus 20 Europeans. Right. You know? And so I know that they paint a picture of us being lazy and right. building the system, but I know what the reality truly is. Right. Yeah. I'm a, of course. I'm a data girl and I'm a statistic girl. So I read data mm-hmm. and I read statistics and I read everything all the time. So I, mm-hmm. even though I had that moment of, here we go, and then I, sadly, mm-hmm. I classified her as a Trump supporter. It just, my brain just went the whole thing. Mm, right. And the, I don't know exactly right. what the girl was, and I don't know if that's what she was right. speaking. But for a second, and I, and I, in the video I mentioned, I do not believe whatsoever that that was their intention at right, all. Right, right, right. when I started discussing everything, they listened aptly. They were respectful. They asked questions. So that's mm-hmm. why I, didn't, I had to push that out of my head and say, okay, this is right. not necessarily. And one of, right. that, and one of the other reasons was like, I was, yes, I, I'm doing these videos on the perspective of a Caribbean American woman with MS. Uh-huh. But there's just right. some things that are universal. And that feeling of inadequacy mm-hmm. is universal. Mm-hmm. when you cannot yeah. oh, leave, you can't work. So that's why I kind of mentioned that and that yes. particular thing I mentioned as not being about me being Black because I really didn't take right. it. Even though that second I took it, it kind of went in and out of my head right. you know, as the conversation progressed. Right. Because it's beyond mm-hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think what it... I get it. What I think about also is that the, there's another component to this. People want to know what you do because they want to know how you live. Like, what kind of money do you bring in? Where, what is, where can I categorize you? What class can I place you? You know what I mean? Like, whether you're black, white, purple, whatever, mm-hmm. that's just how the society is, unfortunately. Like, what you do almost defines you. You know what I mean? And yes. that's mm-hmm. really difficult, like, to, to, to su- subscribe to. I don't I don't want to be in your category. I I want to be in my own, <laughs> you know. And I'm comfortable doing right. what I do for myself right now and and I define me. You don't have to. Right. That's the thing. Like I I really, you know, as I was reflecting on your video, I really think that it's really about redefining what yes. work means. You know because what I mean? Society's like, obsessed with work and the way that we see it right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know just I'm gonna just speak for myself. I'm on disability as well because because MS, you know, fatigue and all those things. That being said, I feel like I earn every penny of my disability check. And it's your money. You know what I'm saying? It's your like, money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You work yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 It's so true. right. I've been working since I was 16 years old. You know, life happens. I got a mess and I had to go on disability. But yet, but that being said, and I'll speak for you too, Kiki, like in the advocacy that you do, your videos and things like that, you earn every penny of that disability check. And but and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think like the whole like what what do you do? Like it's just such a loaded triggering. It's a triggering question. And honestly, for for a stranger, in my opinion, I people can disagree. I feel that, that that is intrusive. You don't need to know what I do. 
ask me about something else. Like, where did I get my glasses? Where did I get my jacket? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know what you do. I don't care. I don't care how you make money. I don't care whether or not you shop at the local grocer or Whole Foods. Like, I, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, agree. that's it, but people are going to ask. Yeah. I they mean, that's are. the yeah. thing. Like, that is what people do. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's, but I think too, it's like really, like, we need to take it upon, and I'll just say we, like, you know, people who are chronically ill, people who have MS, people on disability, like, really have to take it upon ourselves to, like, reframe what that means to us yeah. i guess yeah. but that's a process it's not an automatic overnight thing I think it's a, yeah it's an american cultural question because even in church mm-hmm. and, and, you know my faith is so much with it even in church it goes mm-hmm. it goes you know you introduce yourself you say you know and then the, sometimes when i was in the evangelical church it was you know the question was what ministry are are you in and what do you do so you're always questioning. It's like so in the church setting, it's about what ministry, and then it's what. It, so what are your two jobs, basically? So I mm-hmm. think it's just an American thing, and I've never. I, yes. I, like I said, normally if somebody asks me what I do, I'm not offended. I will explain, but I wasn't even offended. I just right. her look, and that look triggered something into in yes. me. You know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's like because I used to be, I, I was a workaholic. Yes. <laughs> so I would work forty. Yeah. You know, you, somebody who worked forty to sixty hours a week uh-huh. and then not working, and it was me. The way right. I stopped working was like progressive. You know, I quit my job, then I went okay. on missionary trips for a year, then I worked again, and then mm-hmm. I was in a bad situation and left that job, volunteered. Mm-hmm. 60 hours a week like I had a job at a church and I mean I was like really mm-hmm. having a job and but I wasn't being paid for and then I went then I went right. to another job working for an NGO and then I got sick but even though I got sick I, and when I think mm-hmm. I got sick I just my with fibromyalgia I could time when I was when I thought I just had fibromyalgia I could time how long my pain would last. Mm. And then I would just like go out for a day or two. And then I know I could start work. I could go to work. But it, mm. it, it was not, it was starting to grow from one day to two days to one week, two weeks to three weeks where I couldn't function. Mm. And then I was volunteering and I've always volunteered. And, you know, but by 2015, I couldn't even be uh, volunteering anymore. You know, so mm-hmm. we're. 2016, they were like, you just can't work. You can't even volunteer. Like, there's nothing yeah. you can do right now because of how bad your fatigue is, how bad your walking is, how bad your standing is, everything. Mm-hmm. And these are state doctors. And I know right. people understand the state doesn't want to give you disability. So when their doctors say that you cannot right. work, they mean you cannot work. Yeah. I think, I, and I'm just thinking about this to like from my perspective like i'm sure like those words like despite how you feel about yourself like that you know i can work mm-hmm. mentally and these things like seeing those words on the report you can't yeah. work that's a thing in and of right. itself regardless of how you see it yes. but 
Yeah. And my my question yeah, for for us and just people who may share the same opinion is, is it the money that we are bringing in, the amount of money, or is it the judgment that make you feel inadequate? Right. What makes you feel those inadequacies? Is it that you can't bring in what you were potentially making or what you were making before, or what you could potentially make? Or is it the judgment that people bring to you? Like what is right. driving that? that feeling of inadequacy. I don't know. I need to think about that like really quickly, but you know, what is it? Yeah. Right. What do you think? What do you guys think? For me, it's both. Um, mm-hmm. I went from having like a uh, close to six figure income, to having nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I had to go bankrupt to get metal because yeah. I had no insurance. I mean, I was, when I worked for the NGO, mm-hmm. like NGOs, they don't give you insurance, you know? So, I went from not having insurance, I mean, from having the most wonderful insurance and not having insurance, and then volunteering and not having insurance again, mm-hmm. and being able just to go out because of the money I made or go and pay for my missionary trips and do all that stuff. I know. Right. Okay, I can explain, but I feel like I've lost a sense of power along with that inadequacy. So, me not being mm-hmm. able to work takes so a as a person with control issues, it takes away my power to control certain things. You know? Yeah, and right. Yeah. You see, yes. we're in such a culture of you. It's like New York City. Everybody's on the go. Even though they, you know, the younger people, younger generation, believe in work-life balance, they still work. You know, and um, it's just so. And I'm Caribbean. Right. We just grew up with this kind of bootstrap mentality. You know, so you you did. You mm-hmm. know. Back in the days, living color would joke around about Caribbean people having nine jobs, you know. So, that, yeah. right, right, so right. it's like always something that you know you work, you just work. I started working, my mom, right. as soon as I got to high school, she had me volunteering in the library. And then, when I was able to work in um, at 16, uh-huh. I worked in the library out there, outside, the Brooklyn Public Library. Oh. And so, I've never not had a job until recently. You know, even right, if it's just a voluntary right. job, yeah. just never. And it's always been, I work and work, because you, you work your way up. You know, that, that's how we were raised. Like, right. You work your way up so you can get promotions and you can do all that stuff. And for me, I don't right. have that right now. I don't have a way to work my way up. I don't have a right. way to expel that kind of workaholic energy that I have. I don't have that. So, yeah. I don't, and it's... I feel like when you're married, you want to bring in your fair share of the money also. You know, I don't right. want my husband to be burdened right. with always worrying, you know, and it's not always worrying, but you don't want your, your partner to be burdened with, well, if you right. were working, we would have more money. And my husband never says that. I want to be very clear. My husband never, ever, right. ever says anything like that. But in my head, right. that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. if I was working, I could help my husband. Right. Even yeah. better. Right. Because you know yourself right. and you know that you're driven and you know you have always worked yes. and, you know, that's just a part of your personality. So I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. This is a really yeah. important conversation. It's, it's it, yeah. It's, yeah, there's just so, so many Very layers much. to it. You know, the whole idea of what work means, the power that you, I mean, it's so much more than money I think too um or the potential money that yeah it's a lot 
Yeah. It's a lot. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing yes, thank your you. story. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for posting that video oh, and just kind of like marking you. that. Yeah. So thank you ladies for, I can say guys, thank you ladies for inviting me to have this discussion. You're welcome. Thank you you are so welcome. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's like a conversation that needs to be yes, I do. continued. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. Um, yes. And keep making these videos. They're pretty incredible. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Where, yes. how can, how can people find you on social media? Where, my, where do they go? They go to Twitter and Twitter is where I politically argue and it's all people Charles. Um, Twitter, Tumblr, okay. and Instagram. I have Facebook, but that's from a private, uh, for my family and friends, but the rest of right. the things I'm publicly known as Keith Charles. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. And like you said, please keep the videos coming. Thank um, you very they're much. amazing. You're amazing. Thank you and very much. you have an important Thank voice. So yes. your podcast. I I I don't know how I discovered you ladies, but oh my God, it's just so informative and I send it to people who don't even have MS. I just send it out and say, please listen to this. You know, so thank you. Thank very you. Much. Thank you a lot. So much thank you. Yes, it really does. Thank you. But yeah, so would you consider coming back sure, at some point I in time? I, if you want anytime. Okay, perfect. All, All right. right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.